0: to The Snap, a Marvel Cinematic Universe recap podcast where we're going to be talking about all 21 Marvel movies leading up to Avengers Endgame. And I'm your host, Kayla Duet. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp. And with me to talk about it is my good friend, Drew DeBessonet. I'm going to say DeBessonet, but just, you know, <laughs> I, I'm that French Cajun girl. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah. How are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, we had some fun conversations about my last name and... <laughs> the roots of my last name last week. That was really good.
0: Yeah. So, uh, Drew, tell tell everybody about yourself.
1: Uh, let's see. Well, uh, I grew up watching a lot of these uh, cartoons, and so I'm a big Spider-Man fan from way back. Uh, the animated series for Batman and Spider-Man had a huge impact on me. So I'm always going to have this bias towards Spider-Man, but we're going to have a fun t- talk about why Ant-Man was a character that I didn't even really have a lot of connections to before the MCU started rolling its big, awesome train down the tracks and uh, why I like it. But yeah, I'm a manager, a store manager at a GameStop, uh, play a lot of video games, watch a lot of nerd stuff, uh, try to keep it positive, and there's more that I like than I don't like. So,
0: yeah. Cool. Cool. Yeah, me and Drew um, met each other on Twitter in the, like, kind of funny community, and we're besties. We started hanging out playing some Destiny 2 and he convinced me to play persona and it's been a ride it's oh, been yeah. great um but yeah if you are new to the podcast welcome to the second to last kind of episode yep. <laughs> but but yeah so like All i said we're gonna be talking about ant-man and the wasp uh per usual i'll do a recap and usually last like 10 to 15 minutes and then we're gonna talk about it after review it uh and then we will rate the movie. You're going to see where I put it in my list of films. This is number 20 of the 21 that are out right now. So that's going to be fun. Um, I'll ask Drew what his top three MCU films are. And at the end, per usual, we're going to be talking about some endgame theories and some spoilers, possibly, and what we want from the film. So, so yeah, Drew, are you ready to get this thing started?
1: Yeah, uh, I think I'm ready to go. All
0: right, cool. Well, uh. Here I go on the recap for Ant-Man and the Wasp. So we start right after the events of Ant-Man and we see Hank Pym reminding his daughter Hope Van Dyne of the last night that she saw her mother as a child. They had to leave for a, quote, business trip, which was really to stop the missile where Janet went subatomic and never came back. And he says that he thought she died. But after Scott came back from the quantum realm, he realized that maybe there was a chance that she's still alive in there. He shows Hope some plans to bring her back through a quantum tunnel so we pan to present day technically after the events of civil war and we see scott and cassie playing in his house to entertain her since he's on house arrest they ride on a slide outside the house and he accidentally kicks his foot out of the gate so the police show up thinking he was trying to leave his house and they search his place remind everybody basically all the events of civil war the reason he's on house arrest um, which i'm not going to go into detail on and he asks the main guy asks scott if He's talked to Hope or Hank because they're fugitives of the law, too, and he says, no, he hasn't, and they hate him. So Cassie leaves, and they remind him that he only has three days left of his two-year house arrest. He goes inside and does some of his everyday routine, takes a bath, and drifts off, remembering going into the quantum realm. And he has this vision through his own eyes of searching for a little girl playing hide-and-seek, and he looks in the mirror and sees Janet Van Dyne, the original Wasp. And he wakes up and calls Hank to leave a voicemail and tell him about his dream. And then he smashes the phone. And later that night, he's watching TV and he gets stung by something and passes out. He wakes up in the car with Hope driving and he freaks out because he can't leave his house. And she's like, relax. I have one of the ants in the house with your ankle bracelet on and it's doing his everyday routine. So she asks if he's sure that he saw her mom in his dream. And he's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. And he says, sorry about Germany. Cap needed help. And he didn't think he would get caught. And she's like, whatever, we're still running from the law because of you. And the only reason why I'm talking to you is because of what is in your head. So they arrive in this abandoned building where they head up to find Hank's new lab. And she shows him that they built a tunnel to the quantum realm. And they want to pinpoint her mom's location and make it to her through this machine. And um, they say that she they think that she put a message in Scott's head. And he tells them that he destroyed the suit after civil war so that they wouldn't get it and hank's like why would you destroy my suit that's my life's work and scott's like i didn't want them to get their hands on it you know so they take scott with them to get this piece of technology um to finish building the quantum tunnel so they could go look for janet so hope walks into this restaurant to meet with sunny birch uh he tells her that he's found out who who she is and that she's hope van Dyne, and he, He knows that she's on the run and what she's been building and he wants in on the quantum technology and she tells him the deal's off and she leaves but then she comes back in the wasp suit and kicks ass to steal the tech and the money back and it's our first time seeing the wasp in action really badass but yeah we we get the fight scene and after the fight we see Ghost for the first time who is somebody who shows up in a suit and they're phasing and going in and out of matter they steal the lab from Hank and then the team's like, what do we do? So they go to Scott and his friend's uh, brand new business to figure out what to do next. And so they need some equipment to trace their lab and decide to meet with Bill Foster, who is Hank's old associate. And we see Ghost revealed to be a woman who has to go inside of a glass container to stabilize herself. So she stops phasing and she seems like she's sick. They show up on this campus to meet with Foster, who says Scott has quantum entanglement with Janet. They squabble for a minute because um, Bill and Hank didn't get along and they notice the feds are on campus who must know that they're here. So Foster gives them a tip on how to track the lab and they escape. So they find out that there was a diffractor in the old suit that can track the lab. So Scott's like, right, I lied. I still have the, whole, the old suit and they go to find it, but it's missing because Cassie accidentally took it with her to show and tell. So Hope and Scott sneak into her school and Scott's new suit is malfunctioning and he gets stuck in this kid's size. So he puts on some clothes in the lost and found, pretends to be a kid, sneaks into Cassie's room to steal back his suit. And it's funny, he's still like stuck in kid size and they mess with him about wanting a juice box and some string cheese after school. So they test out the old suit and Foster was right and they track the lab. So they go to sneak into Go's Creepy Home and she knocks them all out, ties them up, And they wake up and she tells them that she doesn't need the suit to phase out. It just helps her control it and helps with the pain. She says she needs what's in his head. And Bill Foster shows up and he has been with Ava, aka Ghost, since she was a kid. And she says that her father was working on quantum research with Hank Pym and he fired him and discredited him for disagreeing with him. So he continued his research from home and took risks and his quantum tunnel exploded and her parents died. But she wasn't so lucky. Um, every day every cell in her body continues to tear apart and come back together and it's called molecular instability and it causes her to just like phase in and out constantly so foster found her and helped her control it since she was a kid but when shield found out about her they weaponized her they want to extract janet's energy from her being inside the quantum realm for so long and hank says they're going to kill janet in this process and he releases a bunch of his big ants they escape out of there and on their way out, Hank tells them that Foster is lying and her dad was a traitor who stole his research and that's why it failed and went wrong. So they're in the lab now and Scott talks to Hope about preparing to go subatomic again to find Janet when Louie calls him to, tells, to tell him something with the business went wrong and he needs to meet him now. So Scott tells him where he's at and as soon as he hangs up the phone to head out, Sunny Birch shows up to Louie's place and gives him a truth serum so that he could tell him where Scott is located. And... Foster tells Ava that she only has a few weeks to live because the container and the suit aren't working anymore. So she goes rogue to find the lab. Louie goes on a tangent like he does and finally tells them where Scott is and Ava was listening. Birch calls in the feds to the location. So all three groups are headed for them. The team are in the lab. They turn on the quantum tunnel and it's working. And they ask Scott if he feels anything and he says no. But then Janet takes over him and helps them power it up. And she tells them that she put an antenna in Scott's head and tells them how to find her. So they lock onto her coordinates. She tells them that time and space work differently down there and they have to be very careful. So Scott comes back and he doesn't remember any of that. And Louie calls him and says that everyone's headed his way. So he takes the suit, heads back home before the feds can make it to his place. Cassie covers for him just in time for Scott to show up. Um... And Hank and Hope are surrounded by the FBI after shrinking the lab, and they are taken into handcuffs when the lab is stolen by Ava. So Scott sneaks them out of their questioning cells using the ants and tracks down the lab again. Bill and Ava go to start the extraction process, but he starts to wonder if it's too dangerous. And Ava basically says, like, she's going to do it no matter what. So... Hank says he's going to go inside so that the two of them can take care of everything on the outside. They lure Ava outside the building and corner Bill so that Hank can go subatomic into the tunnel in the quantum suit to find Janet. Hope takes the lab and takes off in a car chase with Birch and Stanley cameos here as Hope hits his car accidentally during the chase with the shrinking device and says, and he says, the 60s were fun, but now I'm paying for it. So Ava joins in the car chase on a motorcycle and tries to steal the lab we see Hank and he makes it into the quantum void and continues to search for Janet. Uh, Birch gets the lab and escapes to the ferry. So Scott in his suits goes really, really big in the water and steals it back and he passes out. Hank finally finds Janet and they cry. They kiss. He tells her how sorry he was that it took so long. And she tells him that she has changed since she last saw him and that the quantum realm has made her evolve with new energy. So... Hope saves, pass out Scott, but Ava takes the lab and makes it full-size, goes in to start the extraction process, which is killing Janet. Ant-Man and the Wasp come in, stop the process, and start fighting Ghost right before Hank and Janet come through the tunnel and the family is reunited again. Janet meets Ava and tells her that she feels her pain and she uses her new energy to cure her of her illness. They all escape, they go their separate ways before the feds find them, and Scott gets home before they show up to catch him in the act and release him from his house arrest. And... There's a few happy endings with, like, uh, Hank and and Janet have their house on some island because I'm assuming they're still hiding from the feds and everything. Um, But, yeah, we have two end credit scenes. This one is the most important one. Um, We see all four of them in like on this rooftop with the small van with a small quantum tunnel inside of the van and they power it up and they send scott in there to grab some quantum healing particles and hank checks in with him on the inside and everything's working fine and scott is getting the energy but he stops hearing from them right before he has this re-entry out of the quantum realm and he's freaking out they won't answer him and we pan back outside and see that all three of them on the outside have been dusted so The second scene, after the snap, the TV signal has gone out in Scott's apartment, and the large ant is playing the drums. So, yeah, that is Ant-Man and the Wasp. What do you feel about this film?
1: I feel a lot of things about this film. Uh, (sighs) Seeing it right after the snap happened and seeing all of our heroes, you know, whether we had feelings about whether they were going to be gone for good, come back, some would die, maybe the people living. It said more about maybe who survived wasn't snapped away, that uh, I was, you know, sitting there, stunned speeches, like most people, some people, you know, crying, stunned, and uh, we, you know, what's next? Well, we're going to have to wait a while. What's next? Oh, okay, Ant-Man and the Wasp, that's the next movie that's coming out. What do I do? I'm a big fan of Ant-Man because of the first one, big fan of, watched everything in theaters as they've come out, and I just mosey on over to the theater to, you know, with, with my girlfriend Lizzie to watch this because we watched Infinity War together, and this just hit me as not only, like, the victory slash feel-good movie experience that I wanted coming out of that snap, but it hit a lot of beats for me that were not only, like, a balance of cool, fun things about movies, hilarious things about movies, and then character development and arcs that were, like, really satisfying. And then, of course, you know how I felt about the movie then changed immediately after those credits because as we're gonna talk about that extra credit scene which ties everything back into what happened with the snap. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Definitely jarred me out of like and we'll talk about where I went, but immediately what I felt was I needed the movie to be like this. This is what I needed. We needed a win or we needed this to happen. And the fact that it ends the way it does And we'll get into some of those things. um, How it ties all the stuff I want to talk about together. Only to then have all the stuff I'm going to talk about vanish in front of you with, of Mm -hmm. course, our hero stuck in the quantum realm. We know he can get out of it. We know Scott can do that. We know, if anything, he's going to do that. Of course, at the time, you you don't have the awesome lead up with all these trailers. You just know, I felt this way as the credits start to roll. Then here's this scene... That comes and almost undoes all the positive criticism I have, all of the things I needed the movie to do for me. And I think that scene being so different tonally from all the stuff, I was ready for something like that to happen, and it happened in the way that I wanted it to. So maybe it was just, like, Mm -hmm. satisfaction for, like, I want it to be like this, and then I know something's going to have to rip my heart out right at the end with the dusting, and it happened perfectly, so... So what I want to what I want to start with is the connection to Civil War. I'm always loving that. Like even in Civil War, Spider Man Homecoming, the mm-hmm. connections to like filming the video, the connections to the Sokovia Accords, the connections to here's where he's at because the last thing he did was go really big, get messed up, get arrested, and he's seeing the consequences of Civil War here. Uh, I really, really love that it ties it in. Like here's what's happening. Here's like. You know, he's seeing a consequence of that.
0: And I think and- this is too, like, an answer mm-hmm. to Infinity War. Because, like, mm-hmm. everybody's like, um, where was Ant-Man? Where was Hawkeye? And, you know, yeah. um, Black Widow has a little comment. And she's like, oh, well, they made this deal with Homeland Security. So they're on house arrest for two years. And that's mm-hmm. it. And that's all we get from it. So this is kind of like that. What was he doing in the meantime kind of thing? Exactly. So.
1: Why it picks up exactly where you'd think well this character you know not only is it you know fitting because of his criminal record and criminal background but it's also fitting that like he you know you need you need some consequences he would have made a difference and it would have been interesting to see where he was utilized but he was just completely removed from that equation because there are consequences to what happened in civil war the MCU has consequences and i like that it's affecting you know his relationship with his family we see him in just so many like scenes of like emotional like feel goodness like building this relationship with his daughter still trying to hold on to that um the uh i really really like that like he's trying to get his life back together and is like running the security company from like outside of the house I feel arrest like Scott situation he's
0: always trying to get his life together yeah, when he might always
1: be trying to get his Ant-Man, life together.
0: I feel like he never wants to, I mean, obviously, like, he likes being Ant-Man. It's cool and all, but, like, I feel like whenever he has to become Ant-Man, it's never on him. Like, it's on somebody else, and he's just, like, he's always trying to call. get his life together. He's not trying yeah. to be Ant-Man.
1: He's yeah. just saying yes to his friends or saying yes to people who need him or saying yes to, you know, a loved one or something. Um, I love that this weaves a story between him and his daughter— and his family and kind of what this means for him with, um, you know, Janet Van Dyne and, um, you know, and her daughter. I love the parent child kind of relationship parallels between that. Um, I love that you're just immediately connecting it to the background of her as the wasp previously. And then Mm -hmm. you have hope as the new wasp. Um, it ties those things together really, really well. um, and it ties to Ant-Man 1 as well, like, beautifully done, like, just, I don't remember feeling very strongly, and I still don't, um, walking out of the theater about the villain. was just kind of like, yeah, I get it, but in this one, it has a lot more relationships between people, it has relationships between Hank and his wife, it has relationships between Hank and Bill, it has relationships between Hope and and Scott that are played off of in interesting ways. And I, I love their dynamic of also the fact that even though the NCU has consequences, she's taunts him throughout the movie about like, I'm mean, going to, you know, if I was with you, if you had a real partner, you know, you wouldn't have been caught. And then of course we see the payoff for that at the end of the movie. Um,
0: yeah. Uh, I love that
1: they were able to, uh, if, I didn't mean to cut you off. I love that. they no, were able you're to fine. Like rescue her because I felt like, the movie ending on a positive note of, like, neatly tying up these threads. And also, like, it's very interesting that Bill survives, Ava survives. I was not feeling like I needed them to survive, but I liked that they did, and they kind of had their arc payoff. But I love that it. It we just get this moment of, like, Hank goes into the quantum realm. He doesn't die or, or evaporate or go crazy. We're able to, you know, he's, he's able to rescue Janet. She comes back. She heals Ava. All this stuff happens to where everyone's okay. And the stakes are, you know, for some people that might not work for them, but it's perfect that everything is neatly tied up happily. And I love that because then the thing that I wanted, if there was any, like, rough way that this was going to end, was to be the ramifications of the snap. And so we get this amazing family reunion arc throughout this movie. And then, of course, all three. (laughs) all three snapped and I felt like I needed the movie to do what it did with all of these nice arcs and nice layers and relationships to then make that payoff the same kind of like gut punch that infinity war had. And I really like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, So what's interesting is like part of the, reason that you like it so much is like the opposite for me like you felt like <laughs> yeah you came out of infinity war kind of like needing a
1: win <laughs> or
0: exactly or wanting a feel me, good kind of yeah i movie. so when i left infinity war obviously you know we're all i think we're all needing a win but from seeing something that great of a movie with that good of of a cast and everything that happens Mm -hmm. is like going into Ant-Man and the Wasp. I felt a little bit like underwhelmed and you know, it was a fine movie. It was, it was like the way I I told you this before, like I really loved the way they played on because they're always they always do a really good job showing like the scenes where they shrink down and they have the fighting scenes and stuff. But especially, especially having the Wasp and Ant-Man together and fighting together um, Mm -hmm. was just, it was really cool the way that they do it is nice and all, but it was just an okay film. Like it didn't really stand out to me as like something that I was like really hyped for. Um, I still feel like this entire film was a plot to show us the quantum realm to get us like prepared for end game. But at the same time, I still feel like I know nothing about the quantum realm. Like I know that mm-hmm. it's this like space of unknown time and matter that you could trick down to. And that um like, That I mean, that's all I know. I know that there can be like time travel in it, but and Janet
1: emerges with these powers, but then is snapped. So that
0: doesn't actually play
1: into you know, right when she's recovered safely and is demonstrating this almost elder kind of wizard witch kind of like knowledge or kind of transcending regular you know human abilities. She seems like on a whole nother level and have these powers and maybe has this understanding knowledge that she's maybe gained in the quantum realm, this observation of time, maybe more in common with, you know, Dr. Strange observing what he observes and having the powers he has, like they would have maybe been, but no, she's snapped. So she's not either going to be able to use that or unless, you know, Scott is able to obtain some of that because we don't know the time yeah, period that yeah, lapses for sure. unless he's going to come out of the realm having some kind of ability like that as well. It's interesting that they sh- set her up as this very powerful entity, and-, and so the credits, when they first start ruling, you're like, wow, like, Ant-Man's fine, and she's got powers, and like, maybe that's important because that seems like the kind of power
0: you'd get from a stone or something, and no, she's gone. So it's so fantastic. too, because like, she is... Really, the only one that knows anything about the quantum realm, right? Like, right. she, and obviously the that you see kind of fish
1: about it. He's stumbled into it. He stumbled out of it.
0: Exactly. He can't control and then it.
1: You know where she Hank, put an antenna in him? Like,
0: yeah. And Hank says himself that like he spent his entire life researching it, and, and he Scott doesn't know anything. Stumbled
1: into getting more experience with it and knowing mm-hmm. more about it, improving more about it in just an accident. So,
0: but what I'm worried about is that since she is the only one that really understands it. Like, how, how are they gonna come out of this? Unless the time between the van scene and the end of the film, um, they had worked really hard on, on the quantum realm right. or something. So Scott does have some inside knowledge that he drops on the Avengers that we didn't see. Like, I feel like I still don't know much about the quantum realm, which sucks. I mean, I can probably go look it up in a comic book or like read, but like just from watching the films, I'm just still like, okay, we have this entire fun movie, cool villain, um, cool motives, um, a lot of cool scenes with the Wasp and Ant Man. But for what? We got we got the mom out. She has these cool powers, and we're like, oh, the quantum realm exists. But what really is it? And then mm-hmm. she's gone. And then that's why I feel like I'm like, all right, like. And with the
1: um the van scene at the end, we don't know how long they've been running those kinds of missions. Or if this is the first one, we don't feel like it's it, the
0: first one because they were able the to way, build a
1: portable like van size quantum realm tunnel, which is
0: fascinating. But the way that she talks to him and she says, like, oh, and don't do this. You don't want to go do this because you'll get sucked into a like a um." Right. Wormhole, or It whatever, seems like she, the first
1: like, journey that they're making.
0: Yeah. Together. To like, yeah.
1: Hey, there's been some amount of time and she either needs like a replenish or they need to go and extract some stuff there because they're sending Scott to get energy there. Isn't that right? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Right. And so maybe he's able to recover something and maybe that plays a part of something. But you're right. Like it does seem like first. Tr- so however much time it might have lapsed to build the smaller tunnel with her guidance or not, it does seem like it's the first navigated journey. So yeah, like what that could mean for endgame doesn't really there's gonna have to be a lot of exposition and explanation in endgame to set up what you know what the importance of that is. Because it definitely is important. I and mean, like it doesn't just make it into a after credit scene just to link the movies together for no reason other you know, other than the weight of the loss. Um quantum realm has got to play a big part because the quantum realm itself wielding that seems very similar to at least one or two of the stones, you know?
0: So something else that I thought about too, is that like we, when we talk about the quantum realm, most people talk about time travel, but Mm -hmm. what was interesting is that the way they sent Scott in to like retrieve this like energy. Mm -hmm. Do you think that this energy is going to be something they could use against Thanos as well? Or do you think it was mainly for the time travel?
1: I think they sent him in for the energy that may have tied into something that maybe Janet needs a recharge or something. But if that energy, which we saw her wielding as a pretty interesting power, um, it could be used as a weapon. It could be something that helps Scott. Um, This is something that I'm only thinking about since we watched it and since we were getting ready to do this. um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if anybody has a lot of discourse on this, but um, the fact that he's in the Quantum Realm Do you think that the snap, had he not been in the Quantum Realm, would have still taken him? Or do you think, is there a possibility that made him exempt? Because he, everyone was always observing that, like, the original Avengers were all that was left. But everyone there got snapped. And, you know, like, whether it's an arbitrary 50-50 or whatnot, do you think that being in the Quantum Realm, like, what little... It's spec, possible. With a little speck of – you, because I, the way that the gems would work between reality and time and everything like that, I find it interesting that you're still some amount of matter, even though you're very, very little. You'd still – there'd still be something to dust. But I wonder if that is the loophole of, of – and I wonder if they'll write into the movie that the reason Ant- Ant-Man, Scott Lang, is – able to be a functioning help in in game is that he survived the snap because he was there. Now there's been no way to really prove that. Right. But um it could come into play like the quantum realm being some way to either recover people or to you know, they may, he may use it in a way to uh in the fight against Thanos to not just be rendered useless by whatever Thanos could do to him. Um, Right. But, I I mean, I always find that fascinating, and it's maybe something that won't get addressed in the game, and it's just something the Russo brothers may get asked about in an interview one day and say, like, oh, it was always our plan that he survived, or, like, the snap didn't pick him, or, oh, yeah, that's exactly right. Like, the Quantum Realm's why he's... You know, if if in the scenarios, you know, Dr. Strange saw if... I wonder I wonder what Strange knows of the quantum realm or whatever. It, it's just uh, fascinating I like to
0: think he about. I mean, we don't know. We don't know yeah. what Strange does and doesn't know. I mean, he has access to a lot of knowledge. Right. I kind of bring this up in the Black Panther episode that, um, you know, we see the ancestral plane a lot in Black Panther. And there's yeah. like, this thing um, talked about where they have like the um, uh, Wakandans have spies in Hong Kong, New York and uh, London, which are. Coincidentally, the same areas of the sanctums. So yeah. I, I thought maybe Doctor Strange had ties to them with the like ancestral plane and the astral mm-hmm. plane. So, you know, maybe he does know things about the quantum realm and stuff because of the vast amount of knowledge that he's gained. But I mean, we don't know, and we don't know if he saw it or not in the, in his, uh, in his visions and whatever. Right. I um, think it's interesting that mm-hmm. like
1: Doctor Strange has a realm that he you know that you can go in and out of um and then there's the ancestral plane and then there's the quantum realm mm-hmm. and I really want to see in in game if they pick any of those in particular to play with but yeah I think like obviously the front runner would be energy from the quantum realm and the quantum realm because of what that could mean for Ant-Man's role to play in the fight against Thanos. And
0: right.
1: Writing writing everything or trying to um but yeah, I mean we can jump into talking about endgame game trailers. I haven't seen all of them.
0: Yeah, um, and we'll talk we'll, we'll talk about the end game stuff um towards the end just in case okay, people yeah. haven't seen any like trailers or anything. Um by this episode, it's kind of like spoilers I'm over it cuz <laughs> yeah. you know, we have one more episode. So by now you like spoilers should just not be a thing um but yeah i we see ant-man obviously in the trailers we know that he he does play a role somehow but not really like how exactly but um what i i kind of want to ask you too because i i know you you like this film is there anything and i told you my gripe about it just the fact that it it was an okay film. It was it was an okay film to watch. It wasn't like a bad film. I enjoyed watching it, but I felt like I needed something. I needed more from just coming out of Endgame. Like I mean, Infinity War. I needed more. You needed a win. I needed, I needed more from the story. Like I just felt like this yeah. was so. If disconnected. anything, my
1: gripes would be, you know, like my 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 pros list would be all the relationships, the humor, the seeing more of characters that I really love, but also seeing how all of the fallout of Civil War in the in Age of Ultron, Scooby Cords and everything. Just seeing the fallout, how it affects these characters, and then seeing sort of like in the wake of Infinity War, Snap, like a Redemption Arc, I would have had a problem with how nice and like tied up everything was and maybe how, you know, convenient everything was if it wasn't for that scene to just like you know, literally, like, snap you back to remembering what's at stake here and how it affects, you know, because, like, you get to see all of these characters and you really want to feel, like, I, I almost feel for a lot of these characters um, more than I feel for some of the relationships or, or that I see a lot of on-screen relationships. There's not a whole lot of developed relationships in a lot of the other MCU films. Like, sometimes between heroes there are, you know, between Black Widow and you know banner between um I I mean the scene where you know getting to meet seeing Hawkeye having a family and the relationship between Hawkeye and Black Widow. Like some of these between heroes relationships are pretty well established but outside of you know Pepper and um Happy and and Tony you don't see too many like big nebuluses of relationships. So I like I I I like love the relationship part of the movie cuz a lot of the things that make it different for me wasn't the there's a villain you know like because it didn't really do a good job of like you know things are really at stake and this villain is like really evil and like there's big stakes i liked that the stakes were sort of personal thing fbi ava you know like their personal mission ava right. and you know ghost and um bill having their own agenda and like everybody kind of working, it just seems kind of more for something that's not very down to earth uh, because of the quantum realm, it seemed down to earth and like the human relationships and stuff like that. And I liked it that that was something that I don't see as much because some of the formula of the other Marvel movies, um, like I really like homecoming and the more I've looked back on it, what I like about homecoming is the villain. What I like about that is the presentation of the characters but a lot of these, it's, it's some villain and big stakes for, like, a city or or the world, and, you know, it's, a, like, a triumph over that, and they kind of have a similar arc. I like that this was different in that reason, and for some reason I see, like, your complaints against it would be that it's weaker for that. Because um, it's not as good of a superhero movie as it is, like, well, a couple other genres, like, you know, sci-fi, comedy, and action or whatever, because it just mm-hmm, has a little yeah. bit more of those genre tropes in it. Because um, it feels a little bit heisty, a little bit like a caper, um, a little bit like a, a science fiction kind of plot narrative It was very structure. science fiction-y, yeah. especially
0: right. with the whole, like, everything with Ava and, you know, the ghost plot was really cool. Um, right, because it's
1: just that her her survival and some science experiment gone wrong caused her problem created which science stuff going wrong creates villains all the time it's just Mm -hmm. like her motivations aren't like you know murder people blow up a city evil kind of like or just like you know starting a war or something like that she's out to fix herself everyone's motivations are very scientific in this movie or survival based um uh and even even Bill is working for the relationship because he has taken compassion on Ava and her situation and cares about that um
0: but yeah, like I, I said I like the character's thought his character was gonna go somewhere else, right like the first time I watched it, I was like, oh he it was him he betrayed, and for some reason, I thought the way that they were making this it seemed was like it they were gonna make it be like a yeah, not, like yeah. something like really
1: spooky and then well i kind of when, like that they just didn't get along and like kind of got on each other's nerves and kind of and went I their separate that. ways and but i don't they, know like I, I like the characterization there
0: the way that they played it like hank was like oh he's filling her heads with lies like that's not what happened and they make us start to think that maybe well, hank is kind there's of an other yeah, he is like, but <laughs> i think they're it, they made us think that there were other motives for why he was helping her right. do these things but then they just kind of like Toss that aside, and we don't hear from it. Yeah. Again. like and then she's this. Wasn't a very you know, sinister motive at all. Yeah, it was weird. It, and in fact, she he went was the one like, to like
1: stop her from actually harming yeah, a lot of people. Yeah, it was weird.
0: People. She went from this like really scary, like intense character to being like
1: pretty right, vulnerable. Gotta go. And yeah. yeah, which
0: is f- which is fair. That's fine yeah. to get from a villain because we know that she's like in pain, and that's all she really wants is to not be in pain anymore. But mm-hmm. something about that. Pairing, I thought, I thought we were gonna get a bigger, like, more stakes ending kind of thing, but we didn't. Right. I think it still paid off to like a nice happy ending, um, but it was just not what I was expecting.
1: Yeah, and her being alive could also be something that ties into some kind of payoff in a future. You know, whether it's like the third Ant Man film or something like that, it could pay off in some way the fact that she's alive because you don't you so don't you often want a third Ant Man. I I don't know what I would want from it, and that's that's fair because. I like how it's fit in with Civil War and Infinity War right now. And I liked what I got from this one more than what I got from the first Ant-Man. And that's why I think, like, the first Ant-Man was introducing, like, tech and and character and backstory and, like, how Scott takes it on from Hank and the passing down of generation. But, like, it was kind of, you know, a mirror villain, foil villain kind of arc and just sort of, like, the generic kind of superhero movie plot line, I guess, um, in the first one. But, like, I liked all of the stuff that happened in this one, so I don't know what I would want from another one. Um, more of the relationships between these characters that I like and more of the dynamic between, you know, Scott and Hank not always getting along and, you know, sometimes not being likable in certain ways, and, you know, Hope and Scott playing off of each other and kind of mending their relationship and... Uh, and then again, like if it brought some more of these characters back, you know, like, like seeing Luis again is fun, but bring some of these characters back, uh, would be interesting. It would also be interesting if Endgame game plays any more service to like how much we see of the people in this film, whether snapped or not, or, or visibly shown as being snapped or not will be very interesting to me because that would also kind of determine how I'd feel about another eight man movie. Mm-hmm. Um. so yeah like I said maybe it was just the amount of uniqueness like it maybe doesn't make it necessarily like a great film but it definitely was different and I'm more of a relationships kind of I'm more relationships in sci-fi anyway and I felt like it had a lot of that like those are two yeah. things I like in narrative arcs and stuff like that so uh, okay. yeah but I mean That's I fair. really enjoyed it
0: yeah I knew you did and that's yeah. you know it it was fun we watched it together it, like i said it's a fine film to me it's a fine film there's nothing like wrong with it on too many fronts it was just not what i wanted right after seeing endgame i mean infinity war i keep saying endgame because i'm excited for endgame yeah
1: Well um, I, I keep
0: doing the same thing it's fine know. but drew i have to ask because we're getting to that point but yeah um every episode i ask what my guests like top three mcu films are so if you could answer that for me and then if ant-man and the wasp is not in your top three like what where you think you would kind of put it around
1: i think i put it in my top six okay and how i feel about it before the snap scene how i feel about it after the snap scene how i feel about it if i had done the rewatch that you have done if um if i'd gone through a little bit more of the middle era stuff around before age of ultron after age of ultron um winter soldier maybe all the way up through um cuz i i did see guardians 2 once or twice in theaters um i think i'd maybe put some of those things i'd shuffle them around more knowing how it all fits together and then sort of knowing like for me it's a lot of rewatchability for me it's a lot of How do these stand on their own? How entertaining are they? Or, like, how much do they get me excited to think about what's next in the MCU? Those those kinds of things, too. But, um, yeah, I think it would be, like, in top six. Because uh, Thor Ragnarok is, like, somewhere in that top six or seven for me as well. Like, uh, it's higher than Guardians 2. Which, and, and maybe it's a little bit below, like, something like Homecoming. Which might be, like, my number four. I think my number three... And I I'm still kind of I need to rewatch some stuff to make sure I sift out the order, because I think Winter Soldier will probably move way up and but not be my three. I think is Guardians of the Galaxy One. Um But probably at the top is like Infinity War or Guardians of the Galaxy One
0: mm-hmm. and then
1: Civil War. I think like those three in fair. some all, order.
0: All the ensembles, yeah.
1: Yeah, because those well yeah, exactly. Cause Guardians I don't know what I expected going into Guardians. Sort of like I didn't know what I was expecting going into Ant-Man. But on its first outing, Guardians blew me away and also made me get really excited about all of the future connections and spinoff movies for characters that I didn't know anything about or had no interest or investment in. Um, Some of the casting was done really well. Some of the the script, some of the music, a little bit of all that kind of stuff. Uh, I think the one that was most fun to watch was a rewatch has been like Guardians, Civil War, and Infinity War, so it's kind of that's that's where my three is. I think that mm-hmm. if I was gonna I'd probably do like Infinity War, Civil War, Guardians in that order, or probably like a one, two, three. Mostly because the ensembles are so much more fun when you have the payoff of watching all their individual movies, and in some cases that makes them way more fun to watch. Mm-hmm. Um and I just remember thinking like I've only liked Civil War more the more I've thought about it since the first time I saw it, which I had a blast when I saw it, and I was so excited. That was the first time my boy, Spider-Man, Peter Parker, showed up in Queens. the MCU. Oh, yeah.
0: Sounds so good. good.
1: And, and just so much of how we got the rights, we're throwing him in, here's how we're doing it. We're just going to have him jump into this, this ongoing train steaming down MCU. We are just going to it just—it was beautifully done how they brought him into the fold and how they started tying all these things together for what would eventually yeah, the payoff of uh, infinity war is made better by the fact that civil war was so well done mm-hmm. and it has so many parallels. Like it's, it's almost more fun to talk about why they're my favorite or why they're in my top three because of what's similar between them and why like, Infinity War with a group instead of the faction of who's on what side you have people who are fighting at Wakanda and you have people who are fighting in Space and Thanos and Titan and I just love that all of the interactions they get to first have and then kind of who ends up where in Infinity War and which of those fronts to fight Um, I just thought, like, those two ensembles are done so well. And it's not to, like... You know, I don't know where I would go back and put Avengers 1. But it'd probably be really high up there as well. And Avengers 1 is probably by far more fun emotionally to watch than Infinity War. But, you know, because... There's a lot of. I
0: think emotionally, yeah, I think emotionally, like you're raw at the end of <laughs> Infinity
1: War. You're very yeah. raw. Whereas, if you want to put on one of these movies in the ensemble set to make you feel good and like rewatchability, then yeah, Avengers would have probably had that spot with Civil War and Guardians. But Infinity War is just—it's hard to not put it in the top three because it pulls it off. It pulls all of the things off. Um, there's almost no fumbles, or you know, it's hard to even think of it. Everyone will have their complaints. Like, this scene didn't really leave for me. But I think almost universally, Infinity War lands all the things it needs to land. And is true to the characters. And gives them their scenes. Somehow. And the fact that we're going to get something else. Where all of these characters are going to have all these scenes. And right, yeah. get all this time to shine. It's incredible how that's done. It's incredible how, like, the setup for that has been... Woven into all these movies, and how it pays off. Because there's something special about not getting a Spider-Man movie and then seeing Spider-Man in Civil War. And even if you took out Homecoming, because it does feel like a a one-off anyway. It 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 feels less connected. Like if you didn't watch Homecoming.
0: I think Homecoming is definitely less connected. Like you, yeah. Get like if you one didn't watch little it, mention you could watch of... Civil War
1: and then Infinity War, and that payoff would just be like it would be right, right there. Yeah. It would, like the like, yes, you'd miss a little bit of the information in Homecoming at the end, but the fact that you could watch Civil War and watch Infinity War and it work, it would work if you missed Homecoming. Like it would work really, really well, um, because you would just see that, you know. Because I guess Homecoming just kind of starts off relationship with Tony Stark, they work some stuff out, they work it out at the end, and they're back kind of on that track with like, you know, Tony's going to have a suit for him and help him out, and of course, you know, him jumping to the call in Infinity War is just, it it just makes sense. But you could watch Civil War and be like, this is the same kind of dynamic, and of course everything in Infinity War, between him and Tony and, and how they end up and where they end up and what they end up doing it's set up so well in Civil War that, as good as Homecoming is, and I love it, um, because I I I just I always gush with Homecoming love, but I've most of my stuff about it is just as a standalone Spider-Man movie. I love it that much. As an yeah. MCU movie, like I, we've definitely come to the conclusion that it's totally one off and doesn't have as much connective tissue or important things happening. I mean, it's basically just showing that the Iron Spider suit is going to be in Infinity War, but, like, the fact that he just starts... But still,
0: like, I mean, I I think, I mean, it was, like, a little teaser for it, but I Mm -hmm. don't know if we knew for sure it was going to be in it. Um, Right. But it was such a good payoff when it was, like, you know, we didn't see it at first, but when Tony sends it in, that was awesome, which, spoiler alert, um... Oh, it's not a spoiler, because this comes after Infinity War, never mind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's a. I think those are great reasons for your ranking. Because your only and... question
1: with Infinity War would be, like, mm-hmm. y- you would sort of not question it. You'd be like, yeah, of course Tony gave him that suit, and he's going to need that. But, like, all you would need explained is how he has that suit so that he can get on, um, you know, on the rocket. Yeah. And, just, and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, but it's it's so great. Like, you don't necessarily need... Homecoming's relationship between Tony and Peter it definitely adds a lot of weight to the snap. But even just from like the the, the magic on screen of Civil War and the magic on screen that builds throughout Infinity War, the Peter Tony relationship is at any point it's on screen it's amazing. And the fact that it works so well and it's done so well in both the ensemble movies where it it doesn't need Homecoming as a context it's like yeah. I think that's one of the reasons I always go back looking at Civil War, like, the villain thing, looking back on it, I really, like, thought about the relationships and the time leap and the beginning of S.H.I.E.L.D., kind of how all of that plays together, the relationship between them, and then where they end up being on different sides of the fight, but still fighting the same fight. In Infinity War, I love that, but going back and just, like, seeing how well executed the ensemble stuff is for my favorite characters and that some of my favorite characters get really, really great moments in Civil War and then the payoff from the good stuff in Civil War is so good in Infinity War. And they just nailed it.
0: So good. Um yeah. but yeah. So yeah, it's episode twenty, so There will be 20 movies on my ranking. So basically every single movie except Captain Marvel is going to be on here. And then obviously Endgame, um, which Mm -hmm. I will... I'm going to see it twice. I'm going to see it um, Thursday night, and then I'm going to see it on Sunday morning. I think I'm
1: going Thursday at 10 and then Monday mm -hmm. because... It's insane to try and go and see it on Saturday, unless you pre-bought tickets for multiple.
0: I days. yeah, I have tickets, so I already <laughs> yeah. have my tickets good, good for both days. You. Yeah, so I'm ready to roll. I'm going, and I'm going to um, yeah, I'm. So by then, by my second viewing, I'm going to really thoughtfully decide where to put it. Um, but yeah, this is this is the ranking right now. I'm going to start from the top again. It's all the movies except except for Captain Marvel, basically. So. My opinion, my ranking as standing, it's going to be number one, Avengers. Number two, Infinity War. Number three, Guardians of the Galaxy. Number four, Thor Ragnarok. Number five, Black Panther. Number six, Spider-Man Homecoming. Number seven, Winter Soldier. Number eight, Civil War. Number nine, Age of Ultron. Number 10, Captain America. Number 11, Iron Man. Number 12, Doctor Strange. Number 13, Ant-Man. Number 14, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Number 15, Thor. Number 16, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Number 17, Incredible Hulk. Number 18, Iron Man 3. Number 19, Iron Man 2. And number 20, Thor The Dark World.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree with a lot of the ones that fell near the bottom. (laughs) Uh, And it's only due to a severe lack of, well, you know, Disney Plus is now for a long time. I know looking back. Avengers, like we we talked about this a little bit. Avengers for me would jump up. I also love that you love uh, Guardians One, and I think a lot of people shit on Guardians Two, but I do say that you know it's pretty easy between the two, no matter where that falls on your list. That like the first one's better.
0: The first one Uh, is better, and you know, I don't know. A lot of people will argue and say the second one's better, but like I don't know. Getting that introduction, I really
1: enjoyed the second one, but I don't think it was you know better
0: yeah i mean i say that every time i'm like you know if i go and watch um guardians 2 and i prepare myself i'm gonna like it but like i in theaters watching that for the first time i was pissed i was like what the fuck is this yeah. um which ended up paying off really well in the end but it was just a lot to take on so see so yeah, that's my rating and i'm really excited to um for y'all to see where captain marvel is on the next episode to finally wrap up all the 21 films what we've been doing um for the past uh month, it's been a journey. It's been very it's been stressful, but it's been fun getting these like bingeable episodes out um before end game. So I'm excited. uh before oh, yeah. we get into our endgame baby theories or maybe spoilers, talking about like just things that we've seen and things that we're excited for. Um, Drew, thank you for hanging out and talking to me about Ant-Man and the Wasp. It's been it's been real, it's been fun. Um, oh yeah,
1: my my pleasure, absolutely delightful. <laughs> I jumped at a, any chance to talk about any of the MCU movies I really loved, and
0: yeah.
1: uh, if I'd been more available, and you know, everyone, you want the more, it's more fun to have a different person on every episode. Exactly. I, of course, I, firstly, I volunteered to do both Ant Man movies. But, <laughs> you did, uh, and I do love both. I love like if I rank the standalone uh, hero movies or like introduction movies, like Iron Man's very much near the top uh we can talk about where captain marvel falls into that but spoilers is probably pretty high black panther is near the top for me um spider-man homecoming you know whether you count civil wars the you know or homecoming i mean either way like a lot of their first ones out the gates are really good but yeah for me for whatever reason i like ant-man and the loss more than i like the first ant-man but a lot of that was because it was a movie of payoff from having not set up so many things in ant-man 1 I wouldn't care or feel the same way I do about Ant-Man and the Wasp. So, yeah. Yeah. But uh, I'm looking forward to going back and having my own rankings. So, based on watching some more movies and then jumping into Endgame, which yeah, I'm definitely going to see a few times. So,
0: I'm really excited. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I if you it. liked hearing from Drew on the episode, you could follow him on Twitter at EndorphinsSC. So it's E N D O R p h i n s s c and per usual um uh, make sure to follow me on twitter for the updates at this snap m c u um like i said there's only one more episode plus we're gonna be doing that um spoiler cast after which is gonna be really fun and i'm super excited um but yeah, per usual, there could be some spoilers um, being said very soon. So if you don't want any theories going into Endgame, or you just don't even want to hear about the Endgame like discussion yet, um, stop listening here and stay tuned for the next episode where I talk about Captain Marvel. It's gonna be fun. Um, you could see what I thought about that movie, but we had but a great yeah. time
1: watching it. Yeah. We
0: did. So, so yeah, Drew, uh, do you have anything that you really want to see in Endgame? Of all the things
1: I want to see in Endgame, I am most invested in. I and this is the weirdest thing: I want to see Doctor Strange be someone who comes back and is a survivor. I want to see. I I feel like they will do more with him and more movies with him, but I want to see him, and spe- specifically him and uh, Peter Parker, be be survivors um, because mm-hmm. obviously they're, they're messing with our minds with far from home. It, it could be literally set right after homecoming. And before all of this, it could be set, you know, before he jumps, you know, in an iron spider suit and jumps to the aid of Tony. Like we don't know, but they're messing with us with, with far from home. But I, I want to see Peter Parker and Dr. Strange. Cause I, you know, either survivor or have, moments that are really, really great. Because I really like them, I'm reading for them to... When the the best part for me in Infinity War, being the sci-fi nerd that I am, was like Doctor Strange looking at all the futures and saying there's one where they win. Obviously that's the one that the Russo brothers are going to write, but I want to see that play into it more. Especially mm-hmm. if we get a lot of scenes with him
0: in Endgame, where yeah. it's
1: laying out the plan. So like, even if he doesn't come back or he's not... Able to be utilized in future yeah, movies. Yeah, I don't know. Wait,
0: I don't know if he's gonna be in this film. Like yeah. originally, I thought that like really early on they were gonna figure something out and get like the team together for a big fight. But I think this majority of this film is gonna be the OG Avengers and who's left. And at it's gonna be at the very end when we see all the characters that disappeared. So it's mm-hmm. gonna be. I really think this is going to be, like, a goodbye kind of film, and they're going to wrap it up really nicely, so I don't think yeah, that that any first, of these like, new heroes... Yeah, for that first, decade run of
1: the original yeah. Avengers, yeah.
0: It'd be nice if, like, they did have, uh like, a good amount of the ending of, like, wrapping up with everybody, but I don't think that we're going to see Doctor Strange very much in this film.
1: I can't be the only one thinking that the people... That they've either started contracts with the characters that they've just started making movies for, or the younger actors and characters kind of connections. Like I can't, I can just look at the real life business side of it and think, well, you know, it would be a little too convenient if just everybody that they're still planning to make a bunch of movies for ends up being the people who are left standing and or alive at the end of Endgame, but. I would love some wrenches thrown into those kinds of expectations. So the kind of what we have looking at the real world of, like, Spider-Man Far From Home getting made. Um, these people who have been playing the characters for so long. Um, I would It would fascinate me if one of the characters who's had a movie or hasn't had many movies was just, you know, whether because of a real-life thing or because of the actual consequences of Endgame and the weight that they want to put to it isn't going to get more Marvel movies. Or if they do, it's going to be one of those Hank to Scott things or, you know, like the Watchmen thing where, you know, you inherit, you know, or like Batman Beyond, where you inherit the, like, role, costumes, abilities, whatever. Which, you know, there's some characters who can pass on, you know, those roles. Other people are just, you know, like nobody's going to pass on you know you, you can't pass it on if it's not something that's mm-hmm. uh like equipment if it's something that's innate within you and particular to you like captain marvel the hulk uh it would be really interesting i think the most interesting thing would be thor like if thor doesn't make it that is going to be like the justification explanation I... for that would be wild like cuz he could like obviously there's there's Talk about who's a god and who's not, and in some ways it seems Banner maybe is more resilient than most. But it's like the way that they would write some of these characters who aren't mortal, like Tony Stark. If they didn't make it, I think if that if that payoff. For I some mean, of Loki dies are, though,
0: and Loki's right, a god, right? Right, so, exactly, I
1: mean... and like, and and the question is like, yes, that you, what you said is right, but also like. Is is there is there something more special about Thor? Well, not really, like, Asgard's a uh, people, not a place. And I think it's just, like, the way that they write and handle some of those who lives, who dies, why they do, how they do, and kind of the rule sets behind that, I think is going to be really interesting. Because mm-hmm. you have a few people who's, who have standouts of, like, resiliency to just either being killed or, or affected by a lot of the stuff that would happen. Um, and I, I like I said, if the payoffs for some of the more invincible seeming, more safe seeming heroes, I, I like I'm, I'm fully ready to just have these, you know, these moments blow me away. Because there's been no reason why the the writers, the, you know, the Russo brothers, Feige, and these actors and all the stuff. There's there's been no reason to doubt that they, it won't blow us away. Like I mean. A lot of people look back on Ultron, not very fondly, but I think everything since Ultron has been pretty strong, and especially the ensembles of, yeah. So going down this arc, I think I have really, really high expectations.
0: I think, um, I, think I don't know if they're necessarily through.
1: tied up in who dies mm-hmm. or lives, but how, if that makes sense. That's yeah, kind of like the payoff, for sure. <laughs> yeah, the But payoff. I think
0: it's it's going to be a good payoff. You know, they've been reviews are pouring in about um the, the film. No spoilers. They're just everybody's basically saying the same thing. It is a beautiful, a beautiful film, a beautiful ending. The the way it's done and the way that everything's handled is exactly how we would want it. And it's just it's what I expected. I didn't expect anything less. From Kevin Feige and the Russo brothers, I knew they know the characters more than anybody, and they mm-hmm. know what we want. And I think it's gonna be it's gonna be really great. I'm super excited to.
1: They've had a vision for it for a long time, uh-huh. right?
0: Vision. A vision. <laughs> so I had
1: to walk into one of those.
0: Yeah, it's like I've poured out all my theories onto all the episodes, so I have nothing left to give. Y'all have heard all of my theories before, so. At this point, I'm just like so ready, and I can't wait to talk on the spoiler cast, um, and just pour my heart about. I'll probably cry. I'll probably. I know I'm gonna cry in the movies, probably like ten times. I'm gonna have to bring tissues. But this is. I mean, we've grown up with these films. This is gonna be such a great ending, and it's not an ending in the sense that the MCU will continue. Maybe not on as big of a scale, but it's gonna continue. There's gonna be other movies, but.
1: Maybe that's some quality of the first, you know, and this is something Marvel that's been Studios building years, for
0: yeah. t- eleven years now. It's been yeah. so long, and we've grown up with these characters, and they've built up to this since Avengers. Like, think about like yes, all those solo films led up to the Avengers, but Avengers is when we get our first glimpse of Thanos, and from there, like everything we've waited for. And then he shows up. He crushes our hearts. And then we know that we have to win, and we have to get this back. And I'm so ready to sit through this three hour film and just take it all in. And I'm Tomorrow so. Tomorrow night. Ugh, it's wild. By the time this episode comes on, comes out, um, I will be seeing it tonight. Technically, yeah. For the episode. Um. So for all the people who are seeing it, um, tonight, like, like I said, tweet at me. You know, no spoilers, because that's kind of not cool but um tweet at me at the snap mcu just like a general feeling of like what you thought about the film like no spoilers like did you love it did you hate it i doubt you hated it but like tell me what you think about it or if you want to dm me about it again please no spoilers i'm going to see it at 10 p.m uh ct but um if you want to talk to me about it after i've seen the film i'm i'm so down with that i'm so excited i love i mean clearly i love talking about the mcu that's why i've made this podcast and that's why i brought on a new guest every single episode to talk to me about it because it's not just a one opinion kind of thing and that's what i've learned from this podcast is that everybody loves different things for different reasons not one person on the podcast i think has had the same rating which is amazing yeah. you know so yeah i think these films have done so much for obviously like media and entertainment but have done so much for like the fans of comics and people who maybe ha- were never a comic fan. Yeah. And just got I into wasn't. this. Yeah. The wild
1: thing is that I saw Iron Man. And when I started this, when we were starting the episode, we were giving my back, my backstory. I was not a comic fan, but I was anything in the animated TV show runs. My experience with crossovers was the Spider-Man animated series that had a whole bunch of basically Avengers team ups in it. In a couple of the arcs in the final seasons. And so I was a fan of Captain America from that. I was a fan of the Hulk from that. And I I knew the Hulk very early on anyway, especially because it had the most, like, early 60s lufer you know, you know, like, it had the most mainstream penetration. But, like, I knew a lot of these characters, and I was a fan of Marvel, but I wasn't a Marvel Comics fan. And when I heard they were making Avengers... It it didn't didn't even really dawn on me what that was going to mean or how I was going to care about it or that I would like Thor or that I would care about a lot of these characters. And so seeing Iron Man, I was like, of course, from my Spider-Man background, I was like, yes, this is is great. I saw it. They hadn't been building it to to something big yet. And by the time Avengers came and, like, to most people, they had this effect and just took us all by storm and showed us what, like, ensemble movies could be. And Mm -hmm. even though it wasn't focused, because Avengers, to me, just hearing that – didn't mean what it would mean after I saw the movie and understood. Having cared about these characters, they made me care about characters and showed me characters that I wouldn't have like investigated on my own. Um, unless they had some kind of crossover relationship with Spider-Man, I might not have ever looked into them. Um, but by putting these movies out, it became interesting to me, and and I became a fan of like every character in this universe that they've been spinning. And to see the Avengers first movie play out and it not be the kind of team up and ensemble that would happen in the spider-man arcs um which was wild to me that you know because of rights and everything like that but but this is really what people who had been Avengers comics fans is, had been wanting and for for those people it will always probably be really high i should probably put it you know really high because of it made me realize that this was something that they could pull off and that they were going to continue to pull off for a while and just hearing about the phases and everything like it just blew my mind because like it's just something like I will always be appreciative of going from knowing before when I had stuff like Ninja Turtles I had stuff like Batman I had Spider-Man and of course when Spider-Man movies started getting made and Batman movies started getting made and Iron Man 1 hits the hits the ground like when that stuff starts happening you're just enjoying movies characters you like. And then when MCU starts rolling out, you're enjoying something that's so much bigger. I will always be appreciative of that and be so appreciative of the fact that I was here for it. I was able to grow up always exposed to it. It's wild to think somebody could like grow up and just take this amazing thing that the Marvel Cinematic Universe is pulling off and Marvel studios is pulling off for granted
0: because it's just their whole life. They knew it. I don't and- think they will. I, I don't know why, but like I have high hopes, you know, I'm the same way that I am with Harry Potter. I i am that person that like, whenever I come into contact with younger generation, like I'm always like, do you like Harry Potter? Like, I love asking that because Harry Potter is such a big thing. Like mm-hmm. there's Harry Potter world and like wizard, you know, like things like that, that are in universal that people can go to. And they have that for the Avengers and for like all Marvel characters and universal as well. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think things like this is something that people are going to grow up with. And clearly the MCU is a lot more than eight Harry Potter films. It's Mm -hmm. 20, it's going to be 22 um, for the, just the infinity saga. But um, I'm hoping, I don't think it's going to be taken for granted. I think something like this is going to be talked about for many years. I don't, I mean, hopefully, right? Like this was such a game changer, and I don't think it could just—I don't think it could just. Well, whenever you see those,
1: who would have been these characters in the '90s mashups? Like, we literally got the best timeline. We got the end game timeline where you see all the permutations, and it's like I've never been. I look at those things and I think, yeah, that person could have played Tony Stark, but like Robert Downey Jr. was born to play that. Like, and even getting different Hulks, like Ruffalo, just like totally pulls that off and I feel like in a lot of other timelines we would have gotten good Avengers and good movies and good times and good relationships and good acting but so much of this yeah I think not that it'll be necessarily all taken for granted but like this era that's coming to a close is is the era where all of this magic and like every casting decision is magic and and it will be hard to fill those roles if they ever want to in twenty thirty years bring back new stories with these characters or have new people take on the mantle of these characters, as the comics do, they always have new people assuming these roles or, or powers or being the new person to carry out that kind of role. Um It's, you know, we're, we're blessed that they were able to just find people who were born to play these roles. And it's like, right. I mean, Chris Hemsworth, you would not even, like think twice about like he could
0: have had a completely
1: different career but like
0: yeah I mean, it's just... about like robert downey jr is is yeah. iron man i yeah. don't think anybody else it's kind of like that wolverine kind of thing that like yeah eventually the uh, eventually marvel and disney are gonna revamp the Some x-men recast, series yeah. with and have wolverine so, yeah. and i can't it's like it's not going to be the same and i he's always going to be be wolverine and be hugh jackman and i think it's the same thing with iron man and robert downey jr like he when i think about iron man that's who i think of and i feel like i could look in a
1: time stone and see other people playing tony stark but like it's robert downey jr he's yeah
0: yeah it's just um it's not like the batman kind of thing where we've had so many of them and yes some do it better than others but there's yeah. always room for improvement, and there's always room. I mean, chill out. We don't want to see another Batman anytime yeah, soon. You guys they're, they're, chill exactly. out. Um, but- there's nothing <laughs> like that. There was there's nobody like that that's yeah. ever
1: assumed that role that that made me think, this won't be the same if it's done by another person, or this person was born to be this character. Mm-hmm. And, and whether it's the person acting, the person taking to the character, the, the mixture of script writing and directing, like all of that magic, lightning in a bottle, and these people who I do believe are born to play those roles, um like it's it's incredible and yeah i think at the top of the list of of any of them is robert downey jr is tony stark like he is mm-hmm. tony stark um and even seeing him pull up at the at the premiere like i didn't see a lot of stuff about the premiere this is one of the last things i'll say seeing him pull up at the premiere get out of his car it's just like he's tony stark in real life i mean th- these movies have made him you know wealthy too but like in his acting career and i followed his whole acting career It seems like he just grew up into Tony Stark. Like, when he took on Iron Man, and I've seen him in 90s shows, I've watched his career, i always enjoyed him in a lot of of movies, really appreciated him. Never think about the fact that he's in Tropic Thunder, that
0: that kind of just
1: sits there someone, an alternate timeline. Well, just
0: never think about that again. As soon as you picked
1: up Iron Man, and just seeing him in real life, and just seeing the chemistry between him and the other characters... He's Tony Stark. And so seeing him pull up to the premiere, I wasn't even thinking, like, Robert Downey Jr. and his wife are pulling up to the premiere. I'm like, was like he's Tony pulling Stark. up to the premiere. Where's, where's Pepper Potts? Right. <laughs> it's so good. And
0: it's so good. And, and I saw some stuff about the premiere, too. And, God, I'm not... That's the last thing I'm I'll so say about what I went from Endgame.
1: I would love Pepper Potts. It's, <laughs> it's Yeah.
0: Just, I think that was... Uh, I, I had mentioned I that on another episode. Yeah. It is a theory we that got... We, there was a little no, bit I mean, of like spoiler I, yeah. stuff about that, but I well, don't. I tripped on my own words. I don't know. I
1: hope that's a theory that is something that isn't like I, mm-hmm. that's a theory that I'm hoping has payoff, and, or you know,
0: is maybe so. Maybe we Pepper does see, have have something special for this film. Maybe she's pregnant. We'll see. Well, oh, I guess my we'll find out tonight, or I'm gonna, you know, as of recording, <laughs> it's tonight. But yeah, I am so excited. Killed it. I hope everybody else is excited. We're almost there, you guys. Thanks for um sticking with it, and and yeah, we're almost there again. If you like what you hear, go follow us on the Snap MCU and hit me up about it. And you know we're on iTunes. Give us a rating, um, a comment, and and yeah, y'all. Endgame is so soon. We have share one with more your episode. friends.
1: Give this girl some props for her amazing hey. hard work on just getting this thing out, getting it done. Y'all like if. Even if even if it comes to next few weeks, your friends have seen it, sure. Give your friends some great content
0: yeah. to go back.
1: There's a there's never a better time than this Disney Plus later this year. There's never a better time to go rewatch them and have like people are always hungry for content. People are always gonna want to talk about all this stuff. Do a rewatch with your friends if you haven't and share this podcast with your friends. Yeah
0: share, yeah. share the podcast. Be nice. Yeah, absolutely. Be sweet. Thanks for listening, you guys too. But um yeah, this is not just to i mean obviously this podcast is made for us to recap before endgame but this is also going to be out there forever for those people who aren't seeing endgame the first week it comes out maybe they want to see it a little bit later but they're still trying to catch up this is for you too so um so i'm excited again to hear your feedback so if it's down the line and you're finding this podcast the Twitter is still going to be here. I'm still going to be around. I'm I'm here for the feedback. So um, let's talk about it. Let's talk about the MCU because I love talking about it. So so yeah, um, again, Drew, thanks for coming on and hanging out and talking Absolutely. about the MCU with me. And yeah, like I said, the next episode is going to be Captain Marvel. I'm so excited to talk about that film. But But yeah, thanks for listening. And we will catch you on the next episode.